What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the SoCo Show. It is episode number 112. It's our Octiversary. Uh, for oh. those who don't know, there you go. For those who don't know, uh, every eight episodes we celebrate with an Octiversary. We don't do anything different. We just say it's our Octiversary. <laughs> so, um, there you have it. Um, I, this is, of course, the co-host, Cody Michael, and I'm joined, as always, by the SoHost, Seth Ott. Heller. <laughs> Uh, I think I think people are maybe confused about uh, the Octiversary, so I think they need to know what just happened. Uh, <laughs> do we have a sounder for that? Mm, let me see here. That just happened. That just happened. Did we win? <laughs> <laughs> that literally it was stuck in my head for a while today. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great uh, it's a great sounder. For those who don't recognize it, that's a sounder that we use on our brand new. Uh, SoCo Sports Show podcast, which debuted this past Friday uh, with our recap of week one and preview of week two. Uh, Had a blast doing that. We can see that uh, some of you guys are out there listening, so thank you uh, for those who have uh, added our second podcast to their their week, and we're going to keep doing that every week. So uh, this episode is dropping on Thursday. Tomorrow, Friday, you can expect week two of our uh, sports show. So yeah, we're stoked on that. We uh, playing pigskin pick'em, of course, so you can uh, link in the sports show description to, to play alongside of us. Uh, we both had decent picking weeks, uh, still um, still pending the Monday night game. I think we both um, were right at about half of the games picked correctly, so pretty good week. Uh, much more fun stuff to come on the SoCo Sports Show, so make sure that you're checking that one out as well. The Triple S. As like as we like to call it, or I do That's right. anyway. Um, <laughs> and if you just if you just want to hear that amazing sounder every week, tune in the Soco Sports Show. Exactly. One more time for good measure, and then we're not going to be using it on this show anymore. That just happened. That just happened. Did we win? <laughs> thing is so funky. I love it. Uh, no more sports talk on this episode, though. We're going to talk TV and we're going to talk movies. A lot of good shit coming down the pipe today, guys. Uh, the Emmy Awards are this weekend. So we're going to preview uh, and, and uh, guess who we think is going to win uh, this week at the Emmys. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about MoviePass. Uh, they were in the news this week. Uh, we got an exciting Mambo number 5. We're going to do some quotes, some reviews, and I watched a film for We Missed the Boat as well. So lots of fun stuff coming up on the show today, but we're going to start like we always do with some sheet tweets. I call you a punk. Dateline, Sheiky Baby USA. Iron Sheik says, in recent news, go fuck yourself. <laughs> he tweeted all that? You didn't add the Dateline thing? I added the Dateline thing. He just said, in recent news, go fuck yourself. Oh. <laughs> I like it. Keep that voice for future Sheik tweets. <laughs> as long as as uh, long as long he says, in recent news. Yeah, there you go. In, in recent, recent news, news, go fuck yourself. Boom. There you have it. Uh, the Sheik... Of course, not breaking from character. Uh, his usual message, go fuck yourself. I call you a punk. Let's shout out our sponsors. First of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description box. You're going to get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free! Also, check out Mathis Designs. Our good friend Steph is over there uh, doing her thing with some graphic design 
and some stationary items that you can order for printing. Uh, check her out at etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs. Cha-ching! And if you need your woodworked, uh, check out our good buddy Mike. He's on Etsy, etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wed. Uh, ooh, that was, a, that was a good one. That sounded like it had been a little while for you. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Let's, uh, let's keep it rolling. We're going to talk Emmys this week in our TV section. That's what she said. TV. So, Seth, the Emmys are coming up this Sunday. Some of the Emmys have already been given out, uh, which I, I didn't realize they did this. But they gave out some Emmys yesterday, mm-hmm. and now yeah. they're, they're giving away the rest of them next week. Did you realize? Have they always done this? Yeah, it's the Creative Arts Emmys. They do it, I think, the week before, but it and they, it's like over a couple nights, and it's like where you see a lot of the uh, smaller awards or a lot of like the like your your internet shows, like Screen Junkies, for example, a YouTube channel that does like the honest trailer stuff. That's where like a lot of their awards are given out, and then like the main, you know, like your best actor and all that stuff. That's done during the main show. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but they do. Maybe they the do Oscars should think about that. Yeah, Oscars does kind of do that too, though. They do, but they just like they do. They even do like even smaller shit, you know. Like, but the the Emmys do even do like guest starring roles. I think Jane Lynch won a, a guest starring Oscar for or Emmy for uh, uh, Mrs. Maisel, and they did an, like uh, single episodes of animated TV stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but yeah, ne- next week I think they're doing like over like overall animated show, and you know main actress and all that or you know lead actress all that yep yeah a lot of interesting emmys were given out uh we're not going to talk about any of them this week though we're going to talk about the big daddies and the big mamas and uh <laughs> let's let's just roll through seth I'll, I'll give you the um nominees for some of these top categories and uh let me know which ones you've seen and which ones you like to win the award we putting bets on it i'm a betting man right now yeah, so you're feeling pretty frisky on the on the bets right now after <laughs> a good week one in the in the football um, yeah, yeah. Make sure you folks tune in tomorrow to the sports show to hear more about that. Got a little scratch in my pocket. Ready to <laughs> spend some of it. There you go. Uh, let's take a look first at Outstanding Comedy Series. I love this category because I've actually seen a number of these shows. We have Barry, which is a favorite of us, uh, Fleabag, The Good Place, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Russian Doll, Schitt's Creek, and Veep. Oof. Uh, so it's a it's a packed category, man. I These are some of my favorite shows on TV uh, and I know one of yours as well. Uh, is Mrs. Maisel your pick to win this one, or what do you think? No, unfortunately not. Um, it, it's my favorite show, uh, and I think it's out of the ones I've seen, it is uh, my favorite season of TV. But there's two factors coming into play here. One is the final season of Veep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think they're going to heavily reward that. The Emmys often do that for TV shows, just like I think Game of Thrones will clean up. We'll talk about in a minute. But also Fleabag. Fleabag is a show that has a ton of love and support online right now, and it's a it's a British show, and a lot of it it it's, it seems like it has like that that cool factor to it to like it and to who have watched it, and I think that's something that the definitely all the people in the uh, who vote on the Emmys is it I think they're they're the Television Academy I think they they. Uh, a lot of them have seen it and I've seen a lot of support for that, that show. I think I'm going to go veep though, just because it's the final season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love veep and I would be stoked for it to win uh, yet another Emmy. If, if I were voting, um, my vote would be for Barry in this. I, I just think it's the best made show. Veep is great. Don't get me wrong, but um, mm-hmm. 
it, this was not the best season of Veep, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, still greater than most shows. And I mm-hmm. also really love Shit's Creek as like an underdog. <laughs> I wish it would win. Uh, Shit's Creek would be hilarious because then they'd have to announce that at the yeah. Emmys. <laughs> um, with Barry, I, I think that could be a, a potential winner as well. I think though that while the season was absolutely amazing, I, I agree um, that one episode of the of Barry, like if they were doing one episode Emmys. I think that wins all of it, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. that, that one episode where everyone loved, I think that wins. Um, but I think overall, just because of, I think votes are probably going to be, honestly, it's probably split three ways between Veep, Fleabag and Barry. And I think if, if it's split three ways, I think it's just going to go Veep because more people will be like, oh yeah, let's reward it. So mm-hmm. no doubt. Uh, let's stay on the comedic side and go to actors and actresses. Uh, actors first. We have Anthony Anderson why? for, Why? Yeah. Because we're men, Seth. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I <laughs> I, I kind of want to flip now, but I'm too stubborn. So we're staying with the men. Um, <laughs> we have, uh, for outstanding lead actor in a comedy series, Anthony Anderson for Blackish, uh, Don Cheadle from Black Monday, Ted Danson for The Good Place, uh, Michael Douglas for the Kaminsky method, Bill Hader for Barry and Eugene Levy for Schitt's Creek. Uh, Bill Hader won this last year as for Barry. Uh, do you think he repeats? I think so. Um, yeah. I think that he's, I mean, as, as great as he was last year, I think he stepped it up for season two a lot. Uh, Bill Hader's a guy right now that I think has a ton of steam behind him with everything going on with this and it. And he's, you know, working on his own original movie that he's talking about. I think we're going to see this guy uh, continue to, to add to his resume here with that. I think I think he's a guy that, some, you know, maybe not even that far down the line is going to have an Oscar. Uh, I think he's I think he's going to definitely be one of these people that uh, is going to be a prestige name down the road. I agree with you on this, man. Uh, he's a stud. He's great in it. And uh, obviously great in Barry. Uh, again, Eugene Levy from Schitt's Creek. Would love to see him win it. Don't think he's got much of a chance here. And then just a shout out more than anything. I loved Michael Douglas and the Kaminsky Method. Did you ever watch that show? I did not, but he. I know he did uh, win the, the Globe for it, I believe. Golden Globe. Mm. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's good in that. And that's just a delightful little show. It's pretty yeah. tight. Um, easy watch. And it's just a nice one. I think you'd like it. You should check that out. Yeah. That, w- that was actually my other... Like, he, if if uh, I almost said if Barry doesn't win, if Bill Hader doesn't win, I could see Michael Douglas winning that again, just by name and and I don't know if he even has an Emmy. I don't know if he's ever done a lot of TV, so that could also be like, oh, you know, here's here's Michael Douglas, give him an Emmy. He hasn't been here before or whatever. So mm-hmm. yeah, we shall see. Let's go to the ladies. Uh, I think Julia Louis Dreyfus is the favorite, probably for Veep, but then we've also got Christina Applegate in Dead to Me, Rachel Brosnahan for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Natasha Leone for Russian Doll, uh, Catherine O'Hara also for Schitt's Creek, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge for the aforementioned Fleabag. Uh, this seems like a stacked category. I know I say that uh, yeah. that Julie Louis-Dreyfus is my favorite. Um, she's already won a number of Emmys for her role on Veep here, but there's a few ladies here that I think could uh, could have something to say about that. Who are you picking? Yeah, that is tough, and I didn't, I forgot about Russian Doll being that mentioned in uh, in the in the, the the main show category but you know that that's a potential winner too i, I don't think it's tough because a lot of people love that show too so um in terms of that that the the people 
again, like you mentioned, Julie Louis, Louis Dreyfus is probably the the leader. But I think this one's a little closer than Show, uh, just because she has won it a lot, and you know it'd be nice to reward her. But I think it's people are going to be less inclined to give her the Emmy over over the the Show. So. I think it's between her, but it's also close between again the flea bag, uh, uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge. I think that I think I just called her the flea bag. Um, mm-hmm. She's not a flea bag; she is the star flea bag. But she she again a lot of attention for her. I know she's getting more roles out of it. People are really excited about her. And then Rachel Brosnahan. I, I don't think you can even as big of a fan as I am. I don't think you can exclude her because she is. I mean, she carries that show, and that show is still great. And I, I think that. She she just embodies that character, and what she has to do in that show is very difficult. So I think that she also has a shot. I think it's a three way three way split here, but I'm going to give the slight edge to Julie Louis, Julie Louis Dreyfus just because of you know the the and last the last time she'll be nominated for that role. Mm-hmm. I uh, I would agree with you on all fronts. Um, and ordinarily, I don't think we'd cover supporting actor and actress in these uh, comedy series, but these are these are a couple great categories as well. Uh, starting with the gentleman, Alan Arkin from the Kaminsky Method. He does a really great job on that show. Um, Anthony Kerrigan, who is NoHo Hank on Barry. Uh, <laughs> so excited to see him nominated. Also, Stephen Root, who plays Fuchs on Barry. He was nominated. And then uh, Tony Hale, who is uh, nominated for Veep. And then Tony Shaloub for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And Henry Winkler for Barry. So three Barry actors. Um Tony Shalhoub, I know you like. Tony Hale, I know you're familiar with from Arrested Development. He's great on Veep. Uh, and Alan Arkin, I really enjoyed uh, on Kaminsky Method. I, I don't know who I think should win this one. I just think it's a it's a bunch of awesome performances because every one of these guys is a baller. Um, I'm going to actually go with uh, Anthony Kerrigan, NoHo Hank from, uh, from, from Barry. And I think the reason for that is that he was the name I kept hearing. I kept hearing NoHo Hank all the time on podcasts and online how much excuse me how much people loved his role and how in his portrayal i i heard uh, i listened to a bunch of interviews uh, with bill Hader after the last uh, episode of barry and he talked about how anthony kerrigan would ad lib a lot of stuff mm. he's, he's just he's just super uh quick and smart and he, he he's able to just add weird little details uh to, to things that uh, make make his role so much better. His role wasn't supposed to be very big in the in season one, and by season two, he's a huge part of that show. I I think I'm going to give it to him on this one just because of all the the attention he's gotten. Uh, would certainly be well deserved. He does a great job on that show, as do all of those guys. Um, again, turning to the actresses, uh, Alex Borstein is nominated again for Mrs. Maisel. Uh, Anna Klumsky in Veep. Uh, I don't know how to say this. Cian or Sean Clifford. Uh, in Fleabag, Olivia Colman yeah, in Fleabag, Betty Gilpin for Glow, Sarah Goldberg for Barry, uh, Marin Hinkle in Mrs. Maisel, and Kate McKinnon on Saturday Night Live. Um, this is pretty stacked also. I love Sarah Goldberg on Barry, and um, Anna Klumsky is also great on Veep, but uh, what Sarah Goldberg is doing on Barry is pretty amazing, and I haven't seen all of these shows, but she'd be my favorite out of these. That's a tough one, but th- that one I think is a toss-up. I'm gonna go with Betty Gilpin from Glow. I think she has. I think season two, because I, I think they're going off season two stuff for her, because uh, I think season three came out a little bit later after the nominations. But uh, season two, she really started to 
come into her own on that show. And I think season three, she took it over as kind of her show. Um, but I, th- I think that season two is what's gotten her a lot more attention. She's got a lot more acting roles in movies. Um, and people really, that's that's the name more people are coming out of is, is Betty Gilpin and her Liberty Bell role. So I'm going to go Betty Gilpin on this one. I dig it. Uh, on the comedy side, that's, that's all we're going to do for the comedy uh, awards here. But it's a lot of representation from like three or four shows, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of cool. And and they're all of that sort of prestige level comedy, you know, so they're not network shows for the most part, um, which is kind of cool. So I think HBO and and certainly um, Amazon uh, with Mrs. Maisel are, are bringing it. And I, I love to see that uh, Netflix represented as well. So I think it's going to be tough for network shows. You know, they can't do as much. Um, as their premium cable counterparts. So uh, I'm mm. not surprised to see so many nominations for uh, for the premium side. Yep. Let's take a look at uh, the drama side, which in summary, uh, you're right, Game of Thrones is going to win a lot of these. Uh, we'll start with... We'll start with Outstanding Drama Series. Um, Game of Thrones is, of course, nominated alongside Better Call Saul, Bodyguard, Killing Eve... Ozark, Pose, Succession, and This Is Us. So I think if you removed Game of Thrones from this, you would see a pretty evenly matched category, uh, maybe with Better Call Saul um, as a standout as I see it. But Game of Thrones, there's no way they lose this one, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, like Better Call Saul is probably one of my top two or three favorite shows. So like I I have a bias in this, obviously, but... I, I think Game of Thrones, and the thing that's funny is like the fans of this are going to probably be upset if they win a bunch of Emmys because a lot of the fans of Game of Thrones didn't like the last season. So mm-hmm. I think I think you're going to see on Twitter at least uh, a big black uh, black ash. I almost said uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, backlash uh, against that if they do win. And I, but I do believe they'll win. My other pick would probably be, be Better Call Saul. Uh, but I, that one just doesn't have as much attention to it uh, as as the other ones. So you know, we'll see we'll see what happens there. But more than likely, Game of Thrones. It sucks though. Fucking Better Call Saul doesn't have the attention, but El Camino, which is that movie, is everyone's freaking out about. Better Call Saul is an excellent show that is, in a lot of respects, just as good as Breaking Bad. So people need to get on that because it's it's awesome. <laughs> All right, so that is Outstanding Drama Series. Let's turn to the acting. Uh, Let's first look. We'll start with the ladies this time. Uh, Amelia Clark is nominated for Game of Thrones. Uh, Jodie Comer for Killing Eve. Viola Davis for How to Get Away with Murder. Laura Linney is nominated again. I think this is at least the second time for Ozark. Uh, Mandy Moore for This Is Us. Sandra Oh is nominated again. She won last year for Killing Eve. And then Robin Wright. Uh, as Claire Underwood in the last season of House of Cards. So uh, I don't think I watch any of these shows, so I will abstain uh, from making my pick. But you've seen a lot of these. What do you think? I don't know if I have. I've seen Game of Th- or I've seen uh, House of Cards. House of Cards and this. And, I guess it is. Yeah, House of Cards and yeah, This Is Us are the only ones you've Mandy seen. And Mandy Moore. I like Mandy Moore, but there's no way she's winning that. Um, I thought Robin oh, and, Wright was... and Ozark as well. Oh, yeah. No, she's not going to win that. Um... Hmm. I'd probably just default and say Game of Thrones here because, like, Robin Wright was fine in the last season. Um, Mandy Moore is fine, but I mean, I like her in that show. But she—it's not like she's uh, 
you know, doing anything revolutionary acting wise. And Laura Linney again, good. Uh, and Ozark, Ozark to me is weird because I like Ozark a lot, but there's people out there who freak out about Ozark, mm-hmm. and and I'm surprised it got nominated to be honest. Because it again, good show, but I it's to me it's not Emmy <laughs> worthy. So yeah, probably Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, I, I I would I I'm if I have to make a pick I'll pick the uh, the incumbent uh, Sandra O oh to repeat. It sounds like people really like that Killing Eve show. We're we're gonna skip the supporting actors um, and actresses because it's pretty much just everyone from Game of Thrones that's nominated. A um, <laughs> couple of highlights though: uh, Giancarlo Esposito is nominated for Better Call Saul. I know you're liking yeah. that. And then Michael Kelly, who's Doug Stamper on House of Cards, um, he is on there as well. Um, on the female side, it is one, two, three Game of Thrones people. Nope, four. Yeah, four Game of Thrones people, someone from Ozark, and someone from Killing Eve. So uh, we're going to skip over those categories. And um, I think an interesting one here, Seth, is Outstanding Limited Series. Now, I think the highlight here is going to be When They See Us. They're my pick to win it. They're nominated like a million times, and this Mm -hmm. was a huge phenomenon. Um, but also some some other great shit here too. Chernobyl, which I haven't watched, but got really great reviews. Escape at Danamora, which uh, was nominated. I think had some actors um, nominated and win uh, at the Golden Globes. And then Fosse Verdon uh, on FX, which is a dance show that's on my list to watch, but I haven't started yet. And then I know you were a big fan of Sharp Objects on HBO. That's nominated as well. Um, so I guess for you, you've seen Sharp Objects and When They See Us. Uh, are you in agreement that when they see us should be the favorite? Yeah, I, I do. I, I mean, I, I loved sharp objects, but, uh, when they see us was that, that, I think that was an event. That was something that kind of stopped like everything going on for a little bit. And people were like, Whoa, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think it deserves to win, you know, just ov- everything all around it. But, uh, you know, even just as a show itself and, and the event around it, I think it deserves to win. Honestly, it's funny too. Cause, uh, with with sharp objects, I couldn't remember the name. We were we were in in uh, it chapter two. I was watching that, uh, and the girl who plays Bev is the young Amy Adams in that show. And I'm like, oh, um, I'm like, I forgot she was in that object show. Is it like, is it simple objects? What the hell is it? And I'm sitting there in the, in the movie trying to remember what the hell that was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, sharp objects. That's a good show. But I'm gonna go with when they see us. Uh, we'll, we'll quickly run down <clears throat> the lead actor and actress, uh, for the limited series. You have Mahershala Ali for true detective. I didn't see that season and I don't know anybody else that did. So I'm not sure what the jury is on the, um, true detective, but Benicio del Toro is nominated for escape at Danamora, Hugh Grant for a very English scandal, Jared Harris for Chernobyl, uh, Jarrell Jerome in when they see us and Sam Rockwell as, uh, Bob Fosse and Fosse Verdon. And I, Jarell Jerome, who plays Corey Wise in When They See Us, was yeah. fucking insanely... That's some of the yeah. best acting I've seen in any project ever. I'll be that shocked fi- if he doesn't win this. Yeah, that final episode with, with just him for the majority of it being like that, that is that is something. I, I don't know how he went to those places, but he did. And so, uh, yeah, he he deserves to win that. I, I That one could be one of the coolest wins ever if he wins that. Just like I, I could see him getting just like a insane standing ovation, and and I, I could see him being super because I watched that that little special with Oprah after, 
mm-hmm. and and the just the way he acted, he seemed like very uh, well. He seemed appreciative for one to even do this, but do that you know do that role, but also very very deep in that role and like connected with the real Corey Wise and just like it seemed like that was everything to him. So uh, if he were to win for that, I that would be a really cool moment at the Emmys. I think. I think so too. Yeah, I'll be looking out for that one for sure. Um, on the female side, Amy Adams is nominated for Sharp Objects. Patricia Arquette, uh, who I believe won last year, is nominated for Escape at Danamora. Uh, Anjanou Ellis, who played uh, Sharon Salam in When They See Us. Uh, and then Joey King for The Act, which I didn't watch, but Joey King is a very young actress. Um, and from what I heard about The Act, uh, did a great job in it. Uh, Niecy Nash is nominated for When They See Us. She plays Corey Wise's mom, Dolores. And then Michelle Williams is nominated for Fosse Verdon. Um, this one may be a little closer. Do you think Amy Adams has a shot against these couple from When They See Us? Probably not. I think the reason for that is Sharp Objects has been, basically, it's been out for over a year now, I think. And so it's kind of lost some of that luster. It's, it's almost like Oscars. You know, it's when you have a movie come out in april it's hard for it to you know come around and win mm-hmm. best picture same thing with actors there's so many actors overlooked now it's cool that she got nominated but i think there's just been so much more stuff so much more recent stuff and a lot more uh, important and, and poignant stuff that i think that she is probably out of the running here i don't know what i'd pick but something you know along the lines of when they see us or you know one of these more recent shows i think could probably win yeah, I would. Uh, I would agree with you. I, I'm. I'm. I, if if when they see us wins every Emmy, I'll be stoked because that was yep. that was the best piece of TV I watched all year for sure. Yeah. Um. And then we won't cover any more categories, but just a couple shout outs. I really like the outstanding variety talk series Emmy. Uh, you've got Trevor Noah, Samantha Bee, Jimmy Kimmel, John Oliver, James Corden, and Stephen Colbert. Um. Still no. Um. Still no Jimmy Fallon. He hasn't been nominated in a little while. Um. But um, a lot of politically driven stuff there. What do we um, have for uh, animated, best animated? It looks like these are nominated by episode. Um, okay, so that, that already happened then. Yeah, this was already this was already given away, but uh, I do like some of these nominees, so I will read it out. Big Mouth was nominated, mm-hmm. um, as well as Bob's Burgers, BoJack Horseman, Come Along With Me, uh, which is a looks like an Adventure Time special, and then The Simpsons won, uh, which... Yep. I didn't know that um, the Simpsons were still winning Emmys. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I I thought th- I thought they did episode and overall category, but I guess they just do episode for that. So too bad BoJack didn't win. That's uh, the best show on TV. So <laughs> I hope I hope at some point in the next four seasons, Big Mouth wins an Emmy. That would be hilarious. That would be pretty awesome, but not before BoJack wins. <laughs> Um, a show that I know you watched and liked, Pen15, is nominated yeah. for writing. That's a kind of a cool uh, nomination. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's a fun show. I, I did enjoy that show a lot. I think that'd be cool if they get to win something and continue to do that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Handmaid's Tale, which was previously a powerhouse at the Emmys. Uh, I only see one nomination, and it's for uh, Outstanding Writing in a Drama um, yeah. I know I know. you said that this latest season was a bit of a fall off. Are you surprised to not see more nominations? Well, I think that'd be based off season two. But yeah, I mean, I, I didn't like season two as much either. So not surprised. Mm-hmm. Well, the Emmys, the 71st primetime Emmys will take place on Sunday the 22nd. Uh, so take a watch at that. 
and uh, see if our picks were right. Uh, we're not playing the Oscar game this time, so no stakes, but um, we'll see who wins. I'll, I'll personally be pulling a lot for uh, when they see us and Barry. So we'll see how all that shakes out. And Veep. And Veep, of course, as well. One of my favorite shows. you got to get on Veep, man. Now that it's over, you got to get on there. Oh, yeah. It's the best time to get on anything when it's done. Yep. Because you know <laughs> it gets a completion and it's not canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's going to do it for our Emmy talk. We're going to switch from TV over to movies. And we're going to start with our Mambo number five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. So five. One, of, one of the five, one of the movies that I'm most looking forward to in 2019 is Ad Astra. Uh, it's releasing today, the same day as this podcast, for early showings. And uh, Brad Pitt is going to space in this one, which is all you need to spice. get into a movie. He's got, we have to go to space. <laughs> and we Gross. were thinking about space movies and decided, okay, why don't we count down our favorite space movies? Uh, now, I have a much deeper list, I suspect, than you do because I'm more into sci-fi. Uh, I've got, I think, 12 of these. <laughs> oh, wow. But I was able to narrow it down to my top five. And I suspect at the top that we're going to have a fair amount of, of carryover between the two of us because there are um, certainly some amazing space movies that have come out um, in the in the near enough past that I know you've seen them. So I'll be interested to see what what, what, what we carry over, what we share in common, and what we don't. Number five. Okay, so for me, number five, and when I read my honorable mentions, there will be a couple in here that you may be surprised didn't beat this one, but I have First Man at number five, uh, a movie that I know you didn't like last year uh, well, in I, 2018. It's not that at I least didn't, didn't like, like it. it. Didn't yeah, like as much it, as I did. I loved exa- it. Yeah, you had a boner for it. I had, yeah. uh, I, I, I was, I was uh, you know, stationary the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> it finished in my top ten. Of last year, uh, I think Ryan Gosling was doing some great work here. Damien Chazelle um, was doing his thing. And if you watched this movie and La La Land, I think you'd be shocked to find that they're made by the same director. But, you know, a lot of this takes place on Earth. But when they do get to space, and spoilers, they get to space. Um, <laughs> the way they shoot the space in this is amazing. They, they have really tight quarters inside the hole of the spacecraft. And then the way it opens up when he walks out onto the moon is something that uh, is, it, in, in every movie I've seen is a tough shot to beat. I just thought that was so amazing the way they shot the, the moonwalk. Um, but yeah, First Man, just top to bottom, well-acted, well-directed, and uh, handled space very seriously. And, and with less grandeur, I would say, than some of the other films on my list. Um, they didn't take the bait of doing a bunch of big sweeping shots with swelling music you know it was pretty quiet and personal in a way that i really liked yeah fine movie just not one of my favorites uh my number five i had to throw a comedy on here uh something it's a movie i've seen a decent amount of times i i, I threw space balls on this list <laughs> nice um definitely a classic has so many quotable dumb things that happen in it uh genius movie uh, one of one of the best parody movies probably out there i think the way they handle the parody with, with Star Wars is pretty great. A lot of fun, fun references, and and uh, you know, able to to do like a satire of Star Wars without having to uh, really like legitimately make fun of it and call it stupid. Like they're all fans of it, but it's all you know, tongue in cheek. So it's fun. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Perfect example of a parody. I used to hate this movie because I was such a fan of Star Wars as a kid. I I yeah. I wasn't mature enough to understand that I could like both. And so yeah. <laughs> I, it really pissed me off, but I've, I've grown to appreciate it as an adult for sure. Yep. Number four. 
Here's one that uh, I won't be surprised if we're kicking. I have gravity at number four. That's a slight can kick. Okay, we'll we'll boot it. This so my number four might be one too. Um, if you counted these movies as your in this list of space movies, I have Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Okay, um, I left Star Wars off. Okay. Um, of my list, not that I don't think it's one of the best space movies, um, and I would agree with you if I was going to pick one Star Wars movie, it would be Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's my favorite Star Wars movie for sure. I felt like I needed to put Star Wars on there. Um, I don't haven't watched a ton of space movies either, so your list is a little deeper than mine, like you said. But uh, yeah, Star Wars: Force Awakens is a movie I still think back on very fondly of. Uh, easily, again, my my favorite Star Wars movie by a lot. I think. Um, I I mean I I loved the I I loved the trailer honestly like the the trailer came out and I'm like oh I'm not really a Star Wars fan but this looks awesome and the trailer alone made me go back and watch all the other movies mm-hmm. because of how cool it was and plus your excitement for it was was also uh, contagious at that time so <laughs> I I had to go back and watch it but uh, yeah just had an old school Star Wars feel with adding some new elements and uh, I think it for the most part it pleased almost pleased most people i mean i know there's there's a contingent out there that's like force awakens sucks because it's the same movie but you know a lot of the star wars movies are the same movies anyway so you know whatever yeah no doubt (laughs) number three a movie that i i don't think you ever saw and is gonna go on your list i've hidden figures at number three okay i did not see that one okay that's definitely uh that's definitely going to be you just made the list So is that watching that in the not too distant future? Is that my black homework? <laughs> yeah, it's about time I assigned you some black homework. Um, <laughs> Hidden Figures is such a great movie. And I think it was kind of overlooked um, in the year. Was it last year or two years ago? It was a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was nominated. But yeah, I just didn't. I don't think anything won. Yeah, didn't get a lot of buzz. Uh, Taraji P. Henson is amazing in this. Janelle Monet. Uh, does an excellent job and Octavia Spencer. I think this was one of the roles that really put her, you know, she, mm-hmm. she's always, she's never been obscure, but I think it really kind of put her into a new uh, level uh, yep. th- th- as part of a really great year for her. So Hidden Figure is just deeply emotional. It's barely in space, but it is about space because they work at NASA. And, you know, getting to see, you know, the whole point here is you get to see, see and hear the stories behind the story you know uh, which I always think is a great plot device. Uh, you know, these people's regular lives are going on while the space race is happening, and I thought it was awesome. Superbly acted, uh, deeply emotional. I think I cried two or three different times uh, in this movie. It's just incredibly well done. I, I love Hidden Figures, and I'm recommending it to everyone who hasn't seen it. Eventually. My number three may be a can kick. I don't know how much room you have left on here, so probably may not be. Uh, Gravity? So Gravity, we kicked a second ago. So I had Did we? Four. Okay. That's right. You did have that. Um, so yes, gra- three is my gra- is is gravity for me. So um, yeah, this you mentioned earlier with um, what was your what was your five? Uh, first man. First man. You mentioned a personal story. I don't think you can get much more personal than this movie. Yeah. Um, it it is all uh, it, it is all uh, Sandra Bullock, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's all it's all Sandra Bullock. Uh, it's, it, it's, I mean, this movie is as close as you can get camera wise. Like it's pretty much on her head the entire time. Uh, we saw this in 3d, I think too. Yeah. And amazing. it it was intense <laughs> and it, it's, it's just like this, it's an, it's a story about isolation and it's 
about survival and exploring exploring yourself as a as a person and, and it's it's insane it's a very deep uh very uh, thought-provoking very intense movie that just like brings you in super close and you're just like what the hell <laughs> it's 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 it, i think it's best viewed like the way we saw it just because it you know when you're that close and you're in that 3d environment it's it's you're all the way in that but even at home you know it, it's still a very much like a uh, intense character study of, of, of a movie. So pretty awesome. Yeah. I love gravity. The character study of it is awesome. And I know that's what scratched your itch, the technical mm-hmm. brilliance of this movie and how awesome it looked. Uh, and just the scale of everything. It should have, it should have won 10 Oscars for, for special effects. I think it did win one, but, um, not enough to do justice for how, how incredible a job they did putting this together. Koran is awesome. I think they filmed almost all of this with like a helmet cam for mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock because her body is CG'd the entire time. So just the way this movie was made is insane and it, it was uh, just fucking excellent. Number two. Number two for me is Interstellar. Mine too. Ah, nice. Uh, I think we're going to have the same two and one then. I think we are, yeah, because I'm, I'm almost certain I know what your number one is. Uh, Interstellar, Christopher Nolan, Matthew McConaughey. This is my favorite Matthew McConaughey movie, I think, and I don't think it's very close. Um, he does a great job in this. You have Jessica Chastain in there as Murph. Um, Murph! Hathaway. This is a stacked cast. And yeah. a lot of people didn't, myself included, like the... Some of the themes that they put in here, uh, because this was a a deeply scientific and practical movie for most of it, and then they get into the love angle and and what all that Mm -hmm. means, and it gets pretty fantastical near the end. Uh, I did not like that the first time I watched it. As I've gone back and watched it, Mm -hmm. I actually like it that much more because of those things. Uh, Really love this movie. Deeply emotional again, and technically brilliant. Looks gorgeous. Super well acted. Uh, one of my favorite, it's tough to pick a favorite Chris Nolan movie, uh, for me, but this would be part of the conversation for sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's right up there with like inception for me. Um, dark Knight, I guess I don't really dark Knight. I don't really count as a Chris Nolan movie, even though it is, (laughs) (laughs) but like his, his original, his original movies, I guess. Uh, I think that like inceptions up there for me, uh, with, with this one, but yeah, I mean, Again, you talk about uh, you know a deep personal story, uh, but with some really cool science fiction elements in there. Um, some other, I guess, spoilery stuff if you haven't seen it. But uh, yeah, it's 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 one of those movies. Like when I saw it in the theater, I didn't appreciate it at the time. Like I liked it, but having gone back and watched it, I think we watched it in like Vegas. It was on TV, and we had nothing to do during. Some, I think we were like all napping and crap, napping and crap, and. Uh, <laughs> it was like on TV or something. And we were just like, we're laying there watching it. And like, I didn't even take a nap cause I was watching the movie. I was like, this is awesome. Um, but like, yeah, when it comes on TV or whatever, every time it's on, I'm, I'm just glued to it. Cause it's, it's such an interesting and, and gripping movie. I could watch any 20 minutes. You pick whatever 20 minutes from interstellar and I will watch it. It's it's mm-hmm. front to back is just incredible. Yep. Number one. I think we've both got the Martian here. We do. All right. This is a, uh, this is a movie that is based on a book that I read first and loved. And so was really stoked to get this one. Um, Matt Damon is acting his dick off in this movie. He's very funny. <laughs> he, it's dramatic. He's emotional in it. Uh, the science in this movie 
it doesn't quite get to the level of the book, but the science is what I love about this, the problem mm-hmm. solving and the way that you get to come along with Watney as he figures everything out. Um, the supporting cast in this is amazing, but Matt Damon is doing the legwork here. And again, visually stunning. Uh, it, it, it was, I know it's not possible for this to have been literally filmed on Mars, but it's as close as any movie has come to making me think that it was. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Uh, I mean, it's, this is a movie that I think is endlessly rewatchable. It's not like, it, there's enough really smart stuff in here that'll appease anyone who's a fan of space movies, but it's also like, like you said, very funny, super well acted an awesome cast. Um, visually it's great. Like you said, I mean, there's, there's enough here for everyone to love this movie. I, I've never heard a bad thing about this movie. Honestly, it's, it's, it's it's probably I think it's the first movie I bought on 4K Blu-ray and and watched and it's it's just awesome it's it's a great movie like you said Matt Damon's awesome overall I can't recommend that movie enough I it's I walked out of that movie just so happy after seeing that because it was so good for sure 91 still on tomatoes so four years later uh, it is holding up in the eyes of the public so uh, the Martian tops both of our lists. I've got a number of honorable mentions. Uh, I'll just run them down. 2001 A Space Odyssey, you can't not mention that. Sort of the one I was that surprised. All. I was surprised that didn't make your list. Yeah, I, I mean, I love that movie. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I love the book as well. It's a great read. But I would say I, I appreciate it on an artistic and technical level more than I like love it and want to watch it a bunch. Okay. And so it just was outside of my top five. Um, Star Wars, of course, uh, just the whole series is amazing. It, seemed like a cheat to put on my list so i left it off uh the new star trek trilogy i didn't watch the original Mm -hmm. treks but the new star trek trilogy i really love those movies are you a fan of the new ones yeah i I liked all three of those i I think there's kind of diminishing returns as they went on Mm -hmm. um but but i i I do really enjoy that series it was much more of a star wars y star trek and (laughs) star trek start star trek to me is very like the other show like i liked the next generation growing up but having watched some of the other ones too, it's just very slow, methodical. It's smart. It's like a very smart show. But for me, with space, I don't need a ton of smart. Like I enjoy the, especially if it's like a Star Trek thing where I, you know, it's not. I think they try to be smart for the being, sake of being smart, as opposed to like really telling a story a lot, like Interstellar, for example. Mm-hmm. So when they went more towards like the, you know, the the fun, actiony Star Trek, I was more into that. For sure. Yeah, uh, it's certainly more accessible to the general public, um, and they made a bunch of money off them. It's sad that we didn't get the fourth one, I think, because of scheduling and money, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, those those are some pretty dope films. Um, let's see, a couple other favorites of mine. I really liked Ender's Game. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. certainly prefer the book, but I think they did a pretty good job with this movie. Did you like it, too? We, I know we went mm-hmm. together, right? Yeah, that was a while ago. That was a, that's an older movie. I think we saw that in Ames when, when, during college time. Yeah, I want to say it was 2013. Yeah, um, and I remember us both being excited because we're super fans of the book. But um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I remember enjoying it at the time, and and you know, was hoping for maybe if they went into some of the other books that came out because I, I think I read two or three of the books after Ender's Game. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, cool series and a decently well done movie. Yeah, um, I think older older movie fans will will be kicking us for not including Apollo thirteen on our list, mm-hmm. um, which. Is one of those movies, I, I know I've seen it, but it's probably been 15 years, and so I just don't think about it a lot. It's something that uh, this list has made me think I need to rewatch, um, but certainly wanted to give a mention to Apollo 13. Have you ever seen that one? 
I do not think so. Ooh, okay. Another one for your list then. Um, but uh, Apollo 13, obviously great. A uh, ton of nominations and awards won for that one. And then uh, Contact is a favorite of mine, again, based on a book by uh, um, Carl Sagan. Uh, I, I prefer the book, but the movie is pretty great. Uh, it's got Jodie Foster in the main role, and she does a great job. Very heady, very uh, sci-fi, kind of trippy. Probably not one I'd recommend for you, Seth, because it gets a little deeper into the science and sci-fi elements um, and away from the realism in a major way. But um, I really like Contact. And then uh, Galaxy Quest was the comedy that I came up with, <laughs> uh, the, the Star Trek spoof, uh, sort of the, the counter to Spaceballs for, uh, uh, for Star Wars. And then, of course, uh, I just included as a lump the MCU, um, you know, Thor, Infinity War, Guardians. Endgame, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, a, a, lot of space is, a lot of space in the MCU, uh, and they always do a pretty good job of showing it. How many more you got? Jesus. That's that's all I have. I could probably go on longer, but those are all the ones I wrote down. Did, did I miss any of your honorable mentions? I didn't really have any honorable mentions. I think we uh, covered everything. <laughs> nice. Yeah, those are pretty much every space movie ever made. Um, so Except for, uh, what, Flash Gordon? I guess he's probably in space. Um, uh... Yeah, there you go. Uh, space, one of my favorite, favorite genres or favorite plot devices or settings for movies. So this is a really fun mambo for me. Uh, let us know on Twitter and on Facebook at Soko Show Pod. What we left off, uh, is The Martian your number one or should something else have topped our list? Um, but as for us, that, that's going to do it for our list of the top five space movies for this week's Mambo number five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. five. We're going to... <laughs> we're going to keep it rolling on the movies and uh, Seth is going to test my movie quote knowledge. Let's get into making the quota. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote. All right. Seth has found a quote from a film. I need to get the film and the character or actor who said the quote. Um, it's been challenging lately, but uh, let's see what he's got this week. What do you got? Um, so normally I would take out of a, a name, um, but I, and I think this is the nature of how this is going to go now because we've ran through a lot of a lot of uh, recent movies and things like that that I can reasonably do within the actors that I've chosen. Uh, so we're going to get started a little bit older, a little bit more challenging. So normally I take the name out of it, the the quote, but I'm going to keep it in. Maybe it'll help you out. Um, the quote is. Gee, I hope so, Betty. Because tomorrow they got me testing shark repellent. Huh. Gee, I hope so, Betty. Tomorrow they got me testing shark repellent. Um, I mean, I, I guess I could take a couple stabs. Is it Jaws? <laughs> <laughs> Do you like Jaws? <laughs> uh, it is not Jaws. It's not, is it Deep Blue Sea? It is not <laughs> <laughs> it is it is a movie that has nothing to do with sharks. Oh, good. My only clue. Fucked. <laughs> what I mean by that is it's not it's not a shark based movie. Right. Right. Um. No, it's not your only clue. Who is the Who is the last actor? Oh, okay. It was John Goodman, right? Yes. Okay, so it was John Goodman for Big Lebowski. Okay, so a John Goodman movie. He's going to be testing some shark repellent. I just the entire John Goodman filmography just went out of my head. Um, There's not much to be honest. I was looking at it. it's a lot of TV. Yeah, he did more TV, I think, but 
Let's see if it's not Big Lebowski. It's not the Flintstones, is it? It is. <laughs> um, okay, if it's the Flintstones, then I, I guess it's Barney Rubble. Uh huh. Do you remember who plays him? I can picture the guy. Oh my gosh! As soon as you say it, I'm gonna go. Oh fuck! It's not Rick Moranis, but it looks kind of like him. It is Rick. It Moranis. is Rick. Mor- That's Rick yep. Moranis. Yeah. Whoa. Yep. I'm gonna. I gotta pull up a picture of this. You remember who played uh, Betty? Yeah, that was uh, Rosie O'Donnell, right? Yep. God, everyone was in a lot better shape then. When did this movie come out? Ninety-four. Wow. I owned it on VHS. I did and too. Then, I watched uh, the shit out of that movie. I did too. And then uh, the the second one um, was Flintstones Viva Las Vegas, I think. Viva, yep. La- Viva Rock Vegas. Yep. And uh, that movie wasn't good. I don't think either of them were very good, but that one was very bad. And they oh, recast yeah. everyone. I didn't even think of the um, Betty uh, as yeah. a clue. Yeah. I forgot all about yep. that. Yep. Yep. You know what's funny, too, is that I believe it's Holly Berry's character. Her name was Sharon Stone in the 94 oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> so I think when I eventually knew who the real Sharon Stone was, in my mind, I thought Sharon Stone was Holly Berry all that time. <laughs> yeah, Holly Berry. Man, she was. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Uh, what? I'll be interested to see where you go from Rick Moranis. <laughs> but, actually, uh, there's there's options. Yeah, there's a lot of options. I guess he's actually. been in quite a few things, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll have to I'll have to bone up on my on my Rick Moranis trivia. Um, but uh, this week we had Barney Rubble in the Flintstones for our making the quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! All right, well, this is a story we've been uh, keeping up with for a long time now, and it finally comes to something of an end. Uh, let's talk Gross. movies. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. Well, we knew it would happen, and finally it has Movie Pass has officially closed its doors and uh, has taken probably a bunch of some people's money and, and, and quit. Now, we knew this was coming because a few months back, I think it was April or May, uh, they, they said that what they were doing was shutting down their app so that they could rebuild it and come back out with more MoviePass. They did not do that. And no one really expected them to. Um, but this right after a final uh, sort of uh, death croak where they put out uh, a final promo where you could for for 120 dollars get a year's worth of movie pass up front i think just a final way for them to get a few extra bucks i i took advantage of that and was able to get my money's worth before they closed up so uh, no skin off my butt but um movie pass is officially shut down i think seth that you know there there are a couple things that we could talk about here one the success or failure of movie pass as a, a company um, which it's very easy to look at it and say, you know, this was this is a failure uh, of a company over the past, you know, 18 months or so. But I think the bigger story is is the ripple effect that this company and this idea has had across the entire industry, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I definitely think so because that the, the impact they've had is that they've changed how a lot of 
companies do business, or at least a couple, at least a couple, couple theater chains or major theater chains, and some other um, type of services like that. I mean, we've seen since MoviePass went to that ten dollars a month structure, and when they really kind of changed things uh, for a lot of people, they we've seen AMC roll out their their twenty dollar a month thing. Uh, we've seen you you have uh, you have Regal's uh, service as well. That's an unlimited type thing. And so I think this is something that when MoviePass came out, uh, initially they were like $40 a month and basically you were saving, you know, a couple bucks a month depending on where you lived. And when they changed that structure up and and decided to make going to the movies actually affordable uh, for a lot of people, going to movies frequently affordable for a lot of people, that perked up a lot of people's ears, basically, like especially like movie theaters, because they probably saw a lot of their concessions and things go up. But they also the movie ticket sales were um, not necessarily directly through them, so they were losing money that way. And I think they realized that Movie Pass is a thing that could work, but they decided, hey, let's do it ourselves. And so Movie Pass really changed the way I think we're going to see how a lot of theater chains operate going forward for the frequent moviegoers. Yeah, I think so. And and I think we talked about this when we had at Jared Buckendall on the show a couple weeks ago, but. I think the benefit that movie theaters have that MoviePass never did is movie theaters can make money just by getting you into the theater and then mm-hmm. you're buying concessions and whatever else they have in the theater. So they're making money on the backside. MoviePass was just giving away money and I, I doubt they ever thought that that was solvent for a very long time. My my impression and I think what they published for some time was that they were trying to collect data and then sell that data. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one bid on it. Uh, and 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 bailed them out, and so you know they they reached the end of their runway and were forced to sell. But yeah, this was a proof of concept, and this was I mean this is the millennial style of you know doing things. Uh, our generation loves to pay a flat fee for unlimited use of a thing. Um, Netflix being the, I think the biggest example of this, and then you have things like all your grocery delivery services. Uh, your food delivery, all your, you can get Ubers this way now. Um, You know, if I can pay a flat rate and use something to my heart's content, um, that's what I want to do. And MoviePass just brought that to the movie theater. And you're right. I think they made it more affordable to see a lot of movies. I'm certainly saving money on my Regal Pass uh, by going to two to three movies a month. And, you know, I, I think... It's easy to laugh at MoviePass and say, oh, you guys stink, you lost all this money. But I think we as the consumer should probably be thanking MoviePass because they made it possible for, for Regal and AMC to, to put the subscription services on. And I know Jared and me and hopefully in some amount of time you will end up being the beneficiaries of that work. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I also have to blame MoviePass for allowing me to go to the movies so often and I became addicted to it. So, <laughs> um, But no, yeah, like I mean, they... They've spawned other services uh, through the theaters. I, I've talked about on the show um, the pre-show thing that that'll be coming out soon. Actually, just got an email on that, an update on that today that that got pushed back a month because they're just working through glitches and, and getting more data and stuff. But um, yeah, that's a completely free thing that is going to allow me to hopefully knock on wood to eventually go watch movies for free just by watching twenty minutes of ads. Um, pretty sweet deal, I think, <laughs> for that. But that would never without MoviePass, that wouldn't even be a thought. You know, like that's. And they just took the idea of MoviePass and said, how can we do it in a more sustainable way? Oh, let's do ad revenue. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, that uh, that option that I possibly have coming to me would have never 
been available to me without movie pass um you know it's 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 overall a good thing i I remember when there was numbers numbers coming out after movie pass really started and did that again ten dollar a month thing that's when really everything changed for them because movie pass has been around for quite a while it's just they didn't really see any notoriety until that ten dollars a month came around and when it did they released numbers and and you know people were going to the movies more often more frequently uh were spending you know they surveyed people and they were spending more on concessions so you know they really did change how i mean myself both of us i think honestly like we went to the movies a lot but we were going a lot more Mm -hmm. when when we got movie pass like we were going once every every week once every other week once every three weeks like we weren't trying we weren't like if we saw a movie that was coming out we'd be like oh let's go see that eventually changed to being like oh that what movie's coming out this week? Yeah, and then yeah, we, we had a standing we go, a standing movie date for the better part of a year, especially yeah. when we were doing the ride home. We were going two or three times a week. Yep, and I still am, but um, <laughs> and spending a lot more money doing it. But it's you know it's it's Movie Pass was a really helpful thing, and you know we can like you said we can talk about how bad they were. You know, were, did they make a lot of decisions that were poor? Absolutely. I mean, they their customer service was atrocious. They didn't adjust when they realized they were losing all kinds of money and weren't gaining anything from all the plans they had. Um, you know, they could have maybe went back to $40 a month and started making profit on some some accounts. They could have, um, you know, maybe started to look into more advertising and, and revenue that way. But, you know, they were they were very um, strict on what they, what they wanted to do. So, I don't know. We, you know, they... Overall, again, very much a benefit, I think, to to the movie industry in general. But in terms of looking at how a business is run and how how they should be run, not great there. <laughs> so, no, I, I would definitely agree. And it's strange there wasn't a huge during this big wave. Uh, there wasn't a huge uptick in box office revenue. Uh, in fact, I think eighteen was kind of a low year, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, compared to what was expected. But I think. You know, it, what it's done is allow people like us who want to see a lot of movies to do that. Um, for the casual movie fan who's going once a month, you know, this yeah. didn't change anything. But for guys like us, uh, and of course for Jared, um, you know, this allowed us to see a lot more movies. And, and yeah, now now we've got separate services. Cinemia came along and was great for a while, but also just was not solvent. And they've closed mm-hmm. up as well. But um, I, I think this makes a lot of sense as the way that we're going to see movies and it's, it's a benefit not only to us, but to the movie theater, you know, because the movie theater doesn't make its money off of ticket sales. It makes its money Mm -hmm. off of concessions. And so they -hmm. just need asses and seats to make money and they're willing to, uh, to lose a couple bucks potentially, uh, to make that happen. I, I can tell you from, from my personal experience, I definitely get more concessions when I get a free ticket or a, you know, a previously paid for ticket. You know, when I go on Regal Unlimited, I'll spend 18, 20 bucks on some corn and nems and a soda. But if I had to pay $20, 25 for that IMAX ticket, I might not get that popcorn. So, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been at least for me, I think that Regal specifically has gotten what they hoped out of this from me. I don't know about mm-hmm. every other movie goer, but, um, I, I think that for guys like you and I, this is we're the exact target demographic for this kind of thing. So movie pass, uh, rest in peace. Thanks for the memories. And, um, you know, certainly guys like us are appreciative of, of the, the shift, the seismic shift really, and how people pay to go see movies. So, um, we'll see what, uh, what continues to go on, what services get added. We'll see if, uh, if pre-show works out and, or if other movie theater chains 
start uh, adding services like this. But for now, uh, we just have to say RIP to MoviePass, and uh, I have to go cut up my little red card that they gave me. So uh, it'll be a sad, sad evening for me. We're going to keep things rolling. That's it for movie news this week, but let's get to some reviews. And we're going to start with a movie that came out last year, but I didn't see it. So uh, this is this week's edition of We Missed the Boat. Oh, I'm on a boat, You're going to need a bigger boat. I'm excited to talk about this movie, um, even though I I won't say I loved this movie, um, but it's an interesting talking point, which is, I think, why you sent it my way. Uh, I watched Ethan Hawke in First Reformed hmm. the other night, and this is an interesting movie, <laughs> a very interesting movie, and it, it's an A24 film. Fans of uh, Hereditary or Midsummer, uh, It Comes at Night, The Vivitch, um, all those movies um, might um, be familiar with A24 style, and I, even though this isn't horror. I thought that First Reformed fit in with those movies in an interesting way. The, the just the mm-hmm. the structure, the the plot devices, the way it was shot. Uh, these A twenty four movies definitely have a flavor to them, and this one fit right in there. Um, on the pro side, I would say Ethan Hawke uh, is doing some great work in here. He's got a lot of lengthy dialogue that's really interesting, and and he has a way of speaking here that really hooked me in, and I enjoyed. Uh, the supporting cast doesn't have a lot to do here, but I think yeah. what they did, I thought they did well. Amanda Seyfried has an, a role here that, while she doesn't have a ton of screen time, uh, she's got some in, intense, she had an intense assignment. Um, and so I really liked uh, her performance in this as well. I think the highlight of the movie for me, though, uh, so for the folks who who don't know about this movie, Ethan Hawke is a pastor at a church, and uh, he is approached by a couple who is pregnant, and they are, uh, they're big activists, and so they are concerned about bringing a child into the world when we're doing all the things we're doing to the planet, and all the research shows that the planet's going to be irrevocably fucked up in like 25 years, and you know, there's, they're weighing whether or not to have this baby because of the world that they're going to bring it into. And that I think is what I really liked about this movie. And it's because they sit down and they have discussions and they talk and they talk about religion and they talk about conservation and they talk about the morals and the gray areas in between those two things. And there are a couple scenes, um, with, I'm afraid I don't know the actor who plays, Amanda Seyfried's husband in this, but it's him and Ethan Hawke just kind of toe to toe sitting across from each other and just talking these things out. And, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, but I think those scenes are why you directed me to this movie. Cause you know, I'm into that long winded conversation, think piece kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. The think piece, the, the, uh, global warming, the, the, um, yeah, the, the, you know, having a baby in this world type thing that that's, that's probably more why, you know, I, I had you with this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and for for the first, I would say, forty five minutes of this movie, I was so roped in, and uh, I would warn again. I I enjoyed this movie. I didn't love it, um, but the the things on the negative side, I would say, is about halfway through this movie, it changes quite a bit. Is what I'll say. Um, yeah. The movie I thought I was gonna have changed, and I liked what it changed to. 
Um, but at that point I had settled into what I thought it was going to be. And it, and so the change kind of threw me off and I wasn't able to fully get back on. So like Mm -hmm. it seemed, it seems kind of like a tale of two films, both of which are good, but it's just a little shocking. Um, when they, they kind of put, uh, put a twist on you and change the narrative for the remainder of the film. And then I would say the last 15 minutes of this movie, um, I, I fully understand what they're going for and how they wrap this up, but it did not land with me. Um, and I, I remember you, you, I think said quite the opposite when you first reviewed this movie is you really enjoyed the beginning and was happy and were happy with how they landed the bird. Am I remembering that right from your review? Yeah, I loved, I loved the ending. You liked the I, end. I really did. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was not my favorite end. Um, I the highlights for me were in the first hour of this, and again, I didn't dislike the movie as a whole, um, but I wanted more of the first hour and less of the second. Um, but that said, it's sure. expertly well shot. There's some really creative camera work in here. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a shot where, well, there are a few shots where the action is happening way off to one side of the screen, and so the 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 camera is focusing on essentially nothing or just scenery and then you've got to kind of turn to see what's going on off to the side and it gives it this strange like voyeuristic like i'm watching them i mean all movies are me watching people but it feels like i'm standing in the next room watching what's going on uh there were a couple Mm -hmm. really cool shots where they did that there's some score elements in here it's pretty minimal but there are sections of the score that really inform what you're supposed to be thinking and feeling and i thought that was done really well uh, the acting again is great and just the cinematography was a highlight for me and then some of the writing in those early conversations and then there's a a narrative um, plot device where Ethan Hawke is writing in a in a diary and I thought the 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 monologuing he did there was really well done so um, I I appreciated this movie and this this goes for all of the a24 movies I'm finding none of them have been my favorite movies and I'm not ready to say that I love any of them, but I appreciate what they're doing from a filmmaking standpoint here. And I, I would, I would recommend that folks see it for sure. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not a movie for everyone and it's, it, it does take some interesting turns, but it's one I might want, I kind of want to revisit just cause it's been a while since I've seen it, but I, I did really enjoy it when I saw it in the theater. So uh, I'm glad that you, you took away some things from it that, that you did enjoy. So, Oh, definitely. Definitely. And most of the time I was watching it, I was like, Oh yeah, Seth loves this. Oh yeah, Seth. Loves this. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, yep. when, when we get offline. I don't want to spoil this on the show, but I do want to talk about <laughs> with with spoilers uh, what goes on in this movie because there's some interesting shit that goes on for real. Um, if you want to check out First Reformed, I am giving it a recommend. Check it out. It is available for free on Amazon Prime right now, so you can oh, cool. check it out there. Um, uh, easy to stream and Amazon Prime, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. Now uh, you can Chromecast from your Amazon app. So that's a great a great new addition to that capability. So First Reformed uh, has been checked off my list, which is now down to four items, Seth. I need, I need a replacement here. I think I'm going to go with a movie, another movie from last year, uh, a movie that I, I really enjoyed when I saw it in the theater. Uh, I think it's a little bit more palatable um, than than First Reformed. It's it's had a little bit wider of a release. I know you'll like uh, for sure the main actress of it, um, but it does have some interesting, much again character study, very focused on one character. Uh, and that's Tully from last year, Charlize Theron. Oh yes, uh, 
directed by Jason Reitman, um, who's done a couple of interesting indies and is doing the new Ghostbusters. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I'm glad you put this is a movie that has been like, like the next movie on my list for like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've been meaning to watch it and haven't gotten to. So I'm glad to have that push. Um, Charlize Theron, of course, is a big favorite of mine. Uh, and I heard she was great in this. So I'm looking forward to seeing it for sure. I believe um, Mark Duplass is in this as well. Oh, I do like him. Um, my list now contains Toy Story 3, Call Me By Your Name, Wally, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, and Tully, which is a pretty banging list of five. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to watch any of those, and I'll review one of them in two weeks from now. Uh, Seth, you, you, let, you told me earlier you've already watched your film for next week, uh, but what are, what are the five that we might hear about on next week's episode? Yeah, full disclosure, I like with all the weird schedule, the, how our podcast has been recorded, I've been thrown off. Um, and so I, I I thought it was my week to watch a movie, so I already watched it. But the, the five uh, that are on my list, Silence of the Lambs, Nightcrawler, V for Vendetta, Steve Jobs, and Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Nice. That's a good list. That's a good list. <laughs> oh, I almost forgot to say this. Uh, Tully. You just made the list! There we go. Uh, <laughs> make sure you come back every week. Seth and I are reviewing movies uh, that one of us saw and the other didn't and uh, making sure that, that we're doing our homework, as it were. So uh, come on back next week for another edition of We Missed the Boat. Oh, I'm on a boat, and You're going to need a bigger boat. All right. We got through our We Missed the Boat. Let's get into some more recent uh, films that were released in 2019. Uh, Seth, you saw two films this week. Let's get into some reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it! I hated it! So I'm interested to hear about uh, both of these movies. Uh, one was kind of the wide release for the weekend and one a little bit lesser known that is getting some great reviews. Uh, what do you want to start with? Uh, I'll start start with the wider release. Uh, that is Hustlers, uh, the Jennifer Lopez and Constance Wu, uh, based on a true story, uh, stripper heist movie, which sounds in- weird, um, but it does actually make sense <laughs> and is interesting when you watch it. So, yeah, like I mentioned, uh, Jennifer Lopez, and I'm honestly not going to remember most of the names because I don't think they were that important. They were stripper names, and they only said them a few times. I just know that Constance Wu's character's name is Destiny. So I'm going to call say J-Lo and Constance Wu the whole time. Um so basically what's going on here, uh, Constance Wu is uh, just starting off as a stripper. She uh, is trying to make money for her grandma uh, to help her pay off things and stuff like that. Um, I think she lives with her grandma, and, and they don't have a ton of money. So she starts as a stripper, meets Jennifer Lopez, who uh, in the opening scene, it's like two to three minute dance that she does. Uh, it's it's something else. Um, Hold on, but, I uh, <laughs> There you go. Yeah, that it deserves like 20 of those, honestly, but... Um, oh, realize that Jennifer Lopez is like the main, she's like the, the hot shit there. She's the best stripper, um, wants to learn, you know, from her as much as she can. And they become really quickly close, tight knit friends. And the strip club they work at is a big one for like wall street people. So they, they make a lot of money, uh, because they, a lot of people on wall street come there during lunch or, you know, after work or whatever, spend a shitload of money cause they're loaded. And these strippers walk away with a lot of money. Well, the 2008 financial uh, crisis happens and no more Wall Street people are coming there. And so they devise a plan to start drugging uh, 
clients. They, they find old clients, um, start drugging them and stealing their credit cards and money and all this stuff. That's the heist aspect of this. Now, this is kind of told through a back-in-time interview style. Julia Stiles is, is interviewing, interviewing Constance Wu, and they, uh, again, go back and forth to kind of tell the story and reveal uh, reveal things about the characters. Uh, the, the strengths of this movie, I think, are with uh, Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez. Their relationship, really interesting relationship. They... Uh, you can you can really tell. I mean, they they really care for each other a lot. Both 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 of the of them, Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez, they they turn in some really good performances in the movie itself. I mean, J Lo, uh, probably my favorite thing I've ever seen her in. Uh, she commands a screen whenever she's on it. And honestly, she, the only time she really even does any dancing or is like halfway naked or all, she's almost all the way naked in this movie is that first that first uh, I'd say ten. 10 to 20 minutes. The rest of it, though, is way more about the heist. She becomes the boss. She becomes a ringleader. And she they show more of her brains than they do, like, you know, the the stripping side. Really gets rid of, rid of the stripping side uh, pretty decently early on in this movie, and it becomes way more about the heist stuff. And that the those their relationship and then also the heist stuff is what I was really connected to with this movie. I, I thought it was really cool and interesting. I mean, obviously, it's based on a true story. Uh, it's it's kind of it's a obviously a shitty thing they're doing, drugging people and stealing their information. But it's interesting, you know. It's these people don't have anything to do anymore. These these strippers and now they they you know are fighting for their you know livelihoods and you know it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger there. And so um, interesting aspect. I think where the movie kind of fails a little bit for me is the they introduce early on some characters that I think are going to be important. Uh, they had Cardi B in the movie. Uh, they had Lizzo in the movie. A couple other act- actors, actresses make some appearances and they seem way more imper- important early on and they never really come back. And so they kind of do this throughout the movie where they introduce characters. There's a relationship with Constance Wu that kind of just goes in and out. So it seemed like other than, you know, Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez, the, the movie didn't really know what it was doing with its characters. And part of that too, I you know, is probably based off of it being a true life story, and that in real life these people weren't really that important in and out. But at the same time, you know, they shouldn't. I didn't think they needed to spend a lot of time in these characters that they do at points in the movie. So that felt a little weird. I didn't know exactly who was important. And then with the way they told the story, I liked the interview style, but it was very choppy. It was a very choppy movie, and again, probably has to do with the difference in time and going back and forth because this covers. Um, I think all the way from like 2006 or five or something all the way to like 2013. So oh, it's very chunked. It's like a big chunked movie because it goes from Constance Wu starting out to the end with the trial and all this stuff. So uh, and actually, I don't think there's a trial. I think it's just this interview that's happening. Um, they're all, they, you know, they all get certain amounts of time and things. So I don't think they show the trial, but they show the aftermath. And so it's a very chunky movie. It, it, it you know, it's kind of felt like it chopped together. And again, nature of the whole thing but an issue um but again great performances uh music was great too i loved that they it was like they each year that it was they incorporated hits from that year to make it feel like that year so like from hmm. 2005 6 or whatever all the way to 2013 i recognized like oh yeah that's and with how i play the 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 song quiz game i knew all these songs so because this is like that's my forte and that song quiz game is like the 2000s spent a so lot like, of oh yeah that spent a lot of time in strip clubs between 05 and 13 <laughs> <laughs> 
exactly. Um, so no, like I, I was like, oh yeah, that's a song from that. So it put me, it, the music actually put me right into that time where they're at. I was able to, and I never heard about this story, but I was able to kind of recognize where they're at because of that stuff. But um, yeah, again, great performances, interesting story, really good relationship with those two. Just some issues with the, the choppiness and and uh, and some of the characters coming in and out. Overall, I definitely recommend this one. I think it's I think it's one to go to and check out. It's it's definitely fun, interesting, got some good performances. So um, and not to mention, you know, some of the dances up front are pretty. Funny, so. I. Uh... I'm surprised that this is getting a recommendation. When I saw the trailers and things for this and that, that Cardi B and Lizzo were in it, I was like, oh, fuck, this movie's going to be so stupid. So I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy that it was a surprise and that people are digging it um, and specifically that you liked it. Let's see what it's got. Um, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 87. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I guess the draw being the strippers and then it's actually got some substance to it from the sound of it. It's a pleasant yeah. surprise for sure. Absolutely. So you've got a second movie for us, and this is one that I know has been reviewed over on the YouTubes by... At Jared Buckendall. And he really dug it. Uh, sir, are you as high on this one as he is? Um, so yeah, Brittany Runs a Marathon, uh, much smaller release. It stars Jillian Bell, and uh, it's... I mean, the the basic story is told in the title. Brittany Runs a Marathon. Uh, Jillian Bell plays Brittany, who uh, is kind of just down on her luck uh, at her point in her life she's 28 which i was like okay that's fitting mm-hmm. um but but she she's 28 she's uh overweight she's kind of like that fun fun uh, chubby friend who's always cracking jokes and but she doesn't really have she doesn't have a great career doesn't have a meaningful relationship at all she's just going out and partying all the time she has got a she's got a friend who's kind of just all like all about herself and never really uh, supports Brittany at all and and uh is kind of like an instagram person always just trying to get likes on instagram and all that stuff and so basically just kind of a shitty friend and so uh Brittany realizing she she goes to the doctor she's trying to actually get some uh adderall she's trying to get some drugs and the doctor's like hey i'm not going to do this to you i'm not going to give you drugs but here's what you actually are looking like looking at in life right now you're you know your your bmi is high and you know, you got all this stuff kind of wrong with you health wise. You should look at, you know, getting healthier. And so through a series of events, she sees that uh, a neighbor of hers uh, who is a runner, she decides to uh, start jogging because it's free. It's the only exercise that's free. And so she decides to start running and, and is, creates a goal to uh, to run a marathon. And. Through through this, she starts meeting new people. She joins like a running group. Uh, her neighbor, she ends up becoming kind of pseudo friends with. Uh, she also meets a guy in this who is, hates running just as much as she does because she doesn't like running. Uh, she hates it, but uh, meets this uh, like the gay best friend character. Not like over the top, like isn't it romantic? But mm-hmm. um, you know, the, definitely not intended to be the love interest here. But he, uh, um, his name's Seth as well, which I thought was funny. Nice, um, but. But uh, you don't see a lot of Seths in movies, so. But uh, they they strike up a friendship and you know kind of support each other through all all this and and pushing that goal because she really, Brittany decides to you know kind of make this a group goal to those those her and and the other friend to run the marathon. Um, Brittany throughout this time too, she's a, in terms of her character char- uh, character trait, she's uh, very closed off and and doesn't. Uh, doesn't really let people in a lot. So this is something throughout the movie that that deals with is, is these friends letting them in and, and letting them support and get help. She doesn't like help. She's very, uh, very 
independent but to a fault you know, she doesn't she doesn't want anyone to get too into her life she's very closed off and and just wants to do everything herself and so that's a detriment to her in a lot of a lot of aspects and so this movie explores a lot of of opening up and that type of thing um along with it too though with getting in shape she you know starts losing weight and um, people start respecting her more and start um, seeing, you know, seeing, oh, you know, like, the, the, for example, like she loses a bunch of weight and someone's like, oh, my God, is your Brittany? Like, who is us? That type of thing. And while that could sound like a stereotypical thing, stereotypical thing, they do make a point in this movie to be like, you know, even though you're losing weight, it's not the weight coming off that's important. Like you you can be healthy no matter what, because she's not like losing weight to be like a rail. She's, you know, she starts off in like 200 pounds or something and, and ends up at uh, like 150 or whatever. So it's not like she's, you know, getting down to like 110 and becoming a model. Like she's just mm-hmm. becoming healthier. And so they make a point to be like, because there's points in this movie where it's like they talk about like the weight coming off as an important thing, but they also make a point to say she's healthier and that and she's happier and that and she's cause you can be there's there's even a character in this movie that is overweight that is that is considered obese and in, in that category but talks about being happy as a person so it's not like they make a point to be saying you have to lose weight to be happy that's not what they're going for at all they were going for Brittany and her specific circumstance to be healthier and lose weight and hit this goal and change things in her life because that's what this movie's about is like she's in a point in her life where she needs to she needs to do she needs to change something and so she makes a big drastic change and loses the weight and and it starts to lead to more positive things in the rest of her life there's also a funny uh, love interest in this movie his name's Jaren who is kind of like her but not like he's not overweight or out of shape he's just lost he he he's lost his passion he's uh he he does this job where he uh, is supposed to like watch a house overnight but he just moved in cuz they don't ever come home <laughs> <laughs> and so and so she, uh, you know, they, they, he's obviously a bum and that type of thing, but, but they strike up a friendship and, um, even more throughout this movie that really interesting. Um, it's funny like that, that the Jaren thing is hilarious. This whole movie is actually super, super funny. Like there's Jillian Bell, uh, Brittany uh, mentioned she's like the fat, funny friend, but she's, she's always, she's cracking jokes constantly and it's a defense mechanism, uh, as, as a character, which is smart. They work that in, but she's also extremely smart, like extremely funny in this. Like she's, and it's an R movie. They, you know, drop F bombs and all, all kinds of stuff. So there's a lot of, um, you know, funny, not, I wouldn't say inappropriate jokes, but definitely like a lot of, a lot of zingers and things like that in it. Um, really funny things that happen through it, but it's also, you know, obviously from what I've mentioned, a lot of deep stuff in here too, with like the, the, um, you know, being happy and finding finding uh, confidence and and losing the weight and and just being a better person, just being a better person overall, opening up to people. So there's a ton of different things you can find in here. Uh, for me too, this is a movie that I connected with a lot in the weight loss thing uh, because I was wondering I don't about know if this. I've talked, yeah, I, I I don't know if I've talked about it here at all, but like there was a summer four, five, six years ago now where I lost like sixty pounds. And the thing they captured absolutely perfectly in here, perfectly in here, was um, they, they, there's a, a stretch in the movie where she's they show her weighing herself and like 10, 10 to fifteen pounds or seven or eight pounds, whatever, would come off at a time. And during that time in the movie, uh, she's happy, she's getting compliments, people are saying nice things, and like everything is going good for her. And then they hit a point where she starts to plateau and, and even gain a few pounds and everything goes the opposite way and, and things are shitty and she's angry. And like, 
or just like disappointed and stuff like that. And I thought they captured that absolutely perfectly because like that's how it is. Like when when you start to see people for the first time after you lose a bunch of weight and they're like, oh, my God, you look so great. Like that's you're not fishing for compliments, but like it just happens and it's cool. It's it's fun. It's you know, it feels good. And the the numbers, you become super focused in on the numbers of it you know like oh yeah i did lose five pounds last week or i lost five pounds yesterday or whatever it is and that becomes a daily daily like motivator a daily a uh, little bit of uh, endorphin releasing you're like oh shit you know I, I lost five pounds yesterday i didn't eat that taco <laughs> you know like whatever it is and so like they capture that perfectly in this movie again with the plateau is like when you you know that once you get towards the end of that weight loss when you lose all that extra excess weight you you only lose a pound or you stay the same weight and you're like I don't know what I'm doing I, I I'm eating the same way I was I'm working out as much as I was and I'm not losing anything else that becomes super frustrating and they show that with her I'm like that's that was really awesome how they did that and then eventually they get to that that message of like you don't need to worry about you know the, the, the numbers are not what you need to focus on it's about how you feel and all that stuff so they even do that like they show that as a good message like there's there's so many things in this movie that they do right and they, even though they, they make you seem like they're going a bad way with it, they turn it around. Even Brittany, who's, you know, someone who has these character uh, flaws, you know, she makes these decisions late on, later on in the movie that you're questioning uh, her as a person. And, like, I was in the theater with just two other people. And they were audibly going, like, no, Brittany, and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> people, like, it's a movie that you get super invested in her as a character because it is, you know, focused on her. And they, they show all the, they show her flaws that she's a very flawed person, but that she's working on it. And you root for her. You, you root for her the whole movie. And then when you get to that marathon point where the, that becomes the focus of the movie, like the actual marathon itself, like, you're really rooting for her to do it. And this is based off of a true person. I don't know if it's exactly the same story, but it's based off a true person. At least they show the real Brittany in the end and stuff. And um, it's they they really make Jillian Bell you know be Brittany and and make you root for her. So um, there's really not anything like other than maybe you know some points where she's unlikable, um, you know later on in the movie or whatever. Honestly, I don't think that that's an issue. I I mean it's this is this is easily one of my favorite movies um, of the year for sure. Uh, it's you know it's it's, it's going to be tough to catch. I think it's a again a smaller one. This will not be like an Oscar movie at all by the end of the year. I don't think uh, it's just one of those that it's an indie movie that um, I just don't think has like the prestige acting. It's just like a super feel good story. It's not like a thinker, but it definitely is something that has a, a ton to relate to. And ha- even if you you know have never done the you know weight loss thing, but just like the you know the the achieving your goals or opening up to people or whatever it is. There's something to relate to. I happen to relate to a lot of it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I I love this movie, but there's something there for everyone to love. Um, I, I couldn't, couldn't recommend, recommend this one enough. It's it's an excellent movie. Ah, a glowing, a glowing review. Um, I, I pulled up the, the wiki for this. Um, the real Brittany was the roommate of the writer slash director. Oh, cool. So the writer slash director, I guess, saw all this happen and wrote a story about their roommate. That's pretty fucking cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, this sounds amazing. It's uh, It runs at a tight hour 43. So um, mm-hmm. you're in and you're out. This uh, this is – I've not heard you speak so highly of a movie in a long, long time. Um, <laughs> so I am uh, – well, that's not true. I guess you've had a couple movies in August that you really enjoyed. Um, yeah. But um, – I, I, I love the sound of this. It sounds right up my alley. A little uplifting. Uh, she's got a glass of wine in her hand. I, of course, like wine. So um, 
Brittany runs a marathon. Uh, we're going to link to Jared's uh, Jared's review as well. At Jared Buckendall. He had a lot of great things to say about this movie in addition. So if you want to hear more praise heaped on this one, uh, head on over to the YouTubes and check that out. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to this as soon as I can. It's not playing in my theater, but uh, hopefully soon it'll make its way through or I'll catch it on VOD later. Did you have to go to the art house or did you see this at the Marcus? Um, not at my Marcus. I had to go to the the same city where the the art the art house theater is. They've been kind of doing that recently, playing some of the smaller ones first. Um, what's probably going to happen is that my theater is going to show it this week. So <laughs> that's how that's how it always happens. Yep, oh, I love it. Uh, Brittany runs a marathon and Hustlers. A couple of a couple of lady driven films this weekend. Uh, both getting thumbs up recommendations from Seth, and uh, that's going to be it for this week's reviews. Mom. What do you think? I love it! I hated it! So this weekend, Ad Astra is the big release. Uh, You and I are both going to go try and see that. Anything else you're going to try and catch this weekend? Not that I know of. I think it's a a pretty pretty light week of movies uh, Mm -hmm. around here, so... Yeah, for sure. Maybe a good opportunity for me to uh, get to my uh, indie theater and check out one of the films you've seen lately. Um, I'll have to keep an eye out for what's out there. But... Um, as you know, reviews, uh, are typically how we end the show. But before we go, we always got to give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. My one more thing, a bit of news that came out today, uh, that seemed pretty important. Um, apparently Netflix has purchased the streaming rights exclusively to Seinfeld. Uh, Seinfeld, of course, one of the most successful shows ever and, um, it's it's kind of syndicated and aired on a bunch of different platforms and channels and things now, but uh, Netflix will be showing it starting in 2021. So this is going to take a while before you get to see Seinfeld on your Netflix. But I don't personally, I have not sat down and watched every episode of Seinfeld. I know it, it's currently available on Hulu, I think, but um, this is maybe an opportunity for me to do that. Uh, I, I, I've really wanted to watch Seinfeld all the way through for a long time. And so in a couple of years, I might have the opportunity to do that. I know you've seen a fair amount of Seinfeld too. Are you going to try binging this one when it drops on Netflix? Um, I've thought about it actually. Like, you know, when I saw that news today, I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Maybe I'll, I'll watch it. But I mean, there's so much stuff now and especially with how yeah. the streaming wars are, there's so much new stuff all the time that's coming out. Like I added two shows just for that came out from Friday to my list. So like I, you know, I, I don't, I'd, I'd like to say I'd, I'd watch it, but I don't know if I will or not. Yeah, I feel you. Um, maybe a replacement for Friends for a lot of people who are obsessed with that show and are bummed that it's leaving for the WB streaming service. Um, actually, not WB. Well, yes, WB, but HBO Max, I think, is the one that mm-hmm. that's going to be on. So, um, What do you got for one more thing? Um, you know, I, I didn't really have much, but, you know, we'll keep it in the, we'll keep it in the uh, streaming area here. Um, for It's a show that I've... I've gone back and just like watched random episodes of uh, over the last couple couple weeks or even couple months now uh, is Community. I, I that that show is strangely like a, a weirdly rewatchable show. <laughs> like there's a ton of references things like that, but it, it's a show that for me is starting to become like The Office or uh, Parks and Rec or um, even How I Met Your Mother when that was on Netflix and stuff. I can just throw on any episode and, and really enjoy the hell out of it. So for those who have never watched Community, and there's a lot of people out there, that's a show to get on because it's, I don't know how long it's going to still be on like these streaming. I know it's on Hulu right now. So if you have Hulu and you have you want a reason to use your Hulu, watch it. Um, and we've talked about it a lot in the show, but we I don't know if we ever really like 
like said, go watch it now because it it is a show. Like it's it's not it's not for it's a, it's a, it's a show you have to kind of be ready for some nerdiness or some weirdness to it. But it's it's a, a hilarious show that honestly it's like one of the shows that watching it it's like a laugh a minute for me. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's there's something funny that or weird and strange that happens every minute on this show. It's uh, again super rewatchable. Uh, great cast that a lot of people are blooming from. Uh, even still to this day that you're seeing more and more work for these people. So uh, get on community. It's, it's one of the best shows. I would second that recommendation. Uh, my girlfriend's not watched it and I'm excited to kind of show her it. Um, I may even start that later today. Um, and uh, now I'll, that'll give me an excuse to watch it all again. So yes, community high recommend. And uh, if you're looking for something starting in 2021, you can catch Seinfeld as well. That's it for our one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. That's going to do it for episode 112, our 14th Octiversary, if, I, <laughs> if my math is correct, uh, is in the books. Uh, we'll, of course, be back with uh, new episodes every Thursday. So make sure you're subscribed wherever it is you get your podcast so that you're the first to see those drop. Uh, in the same podcast feed, you will also see the SoCo Sports Show dropping every Friday. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to be reviewing week two in the NFL and looking forward to week three. Uh, so make sure you're checking that out as well. Uh, Facebook, at SoCo Show Pod. Twitter, at SoCo Show Pod. And don't forget our good friend on the YouTubes. At Jared Buckendall. He's doing hella reviews right now. Lots of new stuff dropping uh, in September and October as well. So make sure you're checking him out. Um, you will also catch the so and co-host on an upcoming episode of movies and nonsense which is jared's uh, video podcast dropping on the youtubes as well so go over there make sure you're subscribed just in case you didn't get enough soco which that was filmed at like one in the morning so (laughs) (laughs) yeah a little bit of sleepy delirium i think in that show but had a great conversation uh, that i think you guys are going to dig um uh, a little, little different than what I think you're probably used to hearing from us. So if you get to little, know us maybe a little bit more um, than, uh, than what we talk about on here. So uh, very fun. Always happy to work with Jared and uh, more to come from him. We're also going to link to his Patreon page. He has opened up a Patreon uh, so you can contribute a couple bunts, bucks a month to Jared and his endeavors. Um, and if you've seen what he has been doing for free, uh, I for one am so stoked to hear what he's going to do with a couple extra bucks. So uh, make sure you go over to his Patreon. We're going to link to that in the description uh, so you can go be a part. Seth, I know you're already a Patreon, so you're, you're on board for mm-hmm. the JB train as well. Oh, of course. Got to give them hard-earned coins to, <laughs> to, the, uh, to the big man. That's right. We're always we're supporting the big man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, again, that's going to do it for episode 112. Make sure you come on back for 113 and seven days but until then i have been the co-host cody michael he is the so host seth ott and we will see you next week bye